and unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. I don't know about these cloudy, foggy mornings. A week after, a couple weeks after clocks changed. Still a little, uh, getting going sometimes in the morning. I'm so thankful you're here today and I'm thankful God's here. He is a healer. He's a healer. Not just physically, but emotionally. He's an emotional healer. He knows where we've come from, what we go through. And the scripture says he's acquainted with grief. He's acquainted with grief. And he's a healer. And not only is he acquainted with grief, the scripture says, surely he has carried our grief and borne our sorrows. Aren't you thankful for that today? Aren't you thankful for that? I don't want to carry something he's already paid the price to carry. Amen. Someone needs that revelation this morning. Stop carrying what he's paid the price to carry. Let him carry it. Let him have it. He's already paid for it. He's already paid for it. I I saw an illustration once that has stayed with me. I you know if I were to If I were to ask you how heavy this box is, I don't know. What do you think? Six ounces? Twelve ounces? I'm sure a pound, less than a pound probably. And if I were to say, here, Alyssa, would you just hold that out like that there? There you go. Is that heavy? No, it's not heavy at all. But if I say, hold that until I say anything different and come back an hour later and she's still holding it, all of a sudden it's like. And I said, no, keep holding it. And then tomorrow she see, sometimes we go, no, it's not that big of a deal. But we underestimate how carrying small things over the long time. After a while, her arm would start getting numb and tired. And why? Because she's not intended to. It's not about how heavy it is. She's not intended to carry it that long. Sometimes we just keep carrying stuff and we go, no, it's not such a big deal. I don't know why. Let him have it. Let him have it, whether small or big. Cast all your cares on him, for he careth for you. Amen. Would you just lift your voice to him one more time? And maybe you brought a care with you this morning. Would you... Would you be willing to just right here cast it on him? Lord, you know where I'm at. You know I cast it. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. The small things I cast on you, the big things I cast on you. The reality is by taking thought, I can't even add 
anything to my height, Lord. I can't do anything. It's you. And so I cast it all on you because you're God and you love me. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Praise God. He's so good to us, isn't he? He's so good to us. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. I'm going to dismiss Sister Stephanie to class, our teacher. God bless her. Continue praying for the Charles Mercado family. Their kids been in the, the cycle of coughs, and so they're rotating through. And uh, I'm believing the Lord to touch them. Thank God for our teachers. Amen. It's good to see all of you this morning in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to dismiss children ages 4 to 11 to their classroom. May the Lord minister to them. I am thankful for the Word of God, aren't you? Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? I was... We'll give these kids a minute. And I was telling my wife the other day, maybe my wife and daughter, but I, um, as a kid, I grew up having memory verses. Anybody have memory verses? A few of you remember that? We grew up with memory verses. And it was, for the years ago, what's a memory verse? Um, sounds funny when you say it really fast. Um, there would just be certain verses from week to week in Sunday school that we would be given to memorize. And um, I told my wife, I said, I don't know, maybe because of my competitive nature, I always wanted to make sure, you know, I get that little star by my name on the little chart, whatever. I don't know what it was, but... Uh, um, and I made this expression. I said, you know, it sort of seems like there's a, I don't know that I hear as much about memorizing the word anymore. And so I would encourage us, we should memorize the word of God. We should spend time memor. I mean, I'm not saying you got to memorize the whole book. If you can, God bless you. Um, that would be a God ordained gift. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, there was a man named Brother Robert Bear. They called him the walking Bible because he, he would bring a Bible to church, but he would never bring it to the pulpit when he preached. And he would, he would preach for an hour and a half, let me tell you. We would do revivals at the church when I was a kid. They would bring him in for a revival. He was well-traveled at the time I was younger. They would bring him in for a revival. He would preach an hour and a half every night, seemed like. And... Uh, he never brought his Bible to the pulpit, but he would begin to preach. And, I mean, he would, he would constant word, 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 word. He was quoting the word as he's preaching and quoting the word. And he's telling you where it's at. And, and, I mean, and, and, I mean, he'd get going and he'd quote four or five verses. It's like, and he'd jump all over and just the word, the word, the word. They called him the walking Bible. I don't know if he, he definitely said that the Lord gave him, put things in his memory I never personally asked him if he knew the whole Bible, but there was this idea that he did. And, uh, there's, a, there's a brother over on the peninsula that used to lead Bible quizzing in the state that in talking with him, he had memorized the entire New Testament. 
Now, you understand that an Orthodox Jew is expected to memorize somewhere in their lifetime the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Um, this is not to put pressure on us by any sense of the imagination, but just simply to say we should spend time memorizing the Word of God. We should spend time memorizing the Word of God. David said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, if you say, man, I'd like to, but I just can't memorize the word, I beg to differ. How many of you ever heard a song come on that you haven't heard in years, and you're like, I know all those words. My wife laughs at me. She's like, every song. He can hear two words in a store, and he knows a song, right? That's what happened. You can memorize stuff. It's just a matter of what you listen to. You can memorize the lyrics. Maybe you just need to change the lyrics. Start memorizing the Word of God. I have a nephew. I'll get in trouble if I throw out numbers. I know it's in the thousands, the number of Bible verses that he's memorized. And the reason he's memorized them all is his dad's a musician. And he put, when he was memorizing, he would put the words to music. And so he would sing the verses until he had them memorized. And so... Hear me, I'm not just talking. In the days that we're living in and the days that are ahead, we need the Word in our heart. We need to know the Word of God. We need to memorize the Word of God. He should put scriptures. If He illuminates a scripture to you and it really speaks to you, then take the time to memorize it. It'll do something in your life when you can just call that to memory. And the Lord will quicken it to your memory at times. I'm amazed at times how a scripture just comes to mind. And I don't know that I ever remembered memorizing it, but it's there now through the years. And so we should memorize the Word of God. I should do better at memorizing the Word of God. I don't know why it was just a Sunday school thing when you were a kid. But there are verses today to this day that I learned when I was 10 years old. I remember in fourth grade. In fourth grade, we memorized Psalm 1. We memorized Psalm 8. We memorized Psalm 100. Psalm 23, of course. I remember learning those chapters. Ten years old. I'm not 10 anymore, in case you didn't notice, but those verses have stayed with me through the years. Amen. Get the Word of God in your heart. I'll share this statistic with you for the parents in the room that are raising children. You want to help them memorize the Word of God. Uh, You heard me mention Bible quizzing. Bible quizzing is a program where kids from the uh, age, I think of, I can't remember how young it starts, but it goes up to the age of 18, They memorize the Word of God, and they come together, and they do these little quizzing competitions over the Word of God and different things. I don't know about the competitive nature of it, but the idea that they're memorizing the Word of God is a powerful and positive thing. And they did a study. uh, They did a study of young people that as they went into the adult years, later teen years and adult years, that would leave the church leave relationship with God, go out into the world versus those, those that would remain and continue 
in the church and in the work of the kingdom of God. And for those that had been through Bible quizzing, if they'd spent just at least one year in Bible quizzing, memorizing scriptures and the word, at least one year, the number was great. I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was greater than 80-something percent remained faithful to the Lord in their walk with God. Versus those that didn't, it was 50%. Don't underestimate putting the Word of God in your heart. Amen? So there you go. That's the announcement for today. Put the Word of God in your heart. Um, I was sure I was going a certain direction because the Lord's been dealing with me all morning about it. And then... It's his business, but I guess we're not going that way. Um, I was I was a young teenager. Uh, Thirteen. And because of situation and circumstances, we lived in Alaska at the time. And because of those situations and circumstances, uh, my older sister, who's 18 months older than I, her and I uh, were flown down to North Carolina, where my aunt and uncle lived. They did not have children. And uh, we lived with them for a season. They took us in. They took care of us. We enjoyed being there and because of circumstances and situations we really didn't want to go back home to Alaska at the time Um, we were there for several months they were able to work with my mom and they extended it a few weeks we thought maybe just maybe we We were there long enough. We started going to school there. and My sister and I were hopeful that maybe just maybe we could just stay there. Didn't work out that way. such as life sometimes. God is faithful. And um, for my sister and I, that in North Carolina was an ideal situation. At the time, that age in our lives, it wasn't an ideal situation to go back home. The Lord does not always put us in ideal situations. But the Lord is able to keep us no matter the situation. He's faithful. Now, I learned years later in my adult life. I did not know this. 
probably best I didn't know it when I was younger. That my aunt and uncle were working very hard to try and adopt my sister and I. I, I can't imagine the conversations that may have taken place with my mom. She loved us. There's no, you understand, she wasn't trying to get rid of us. I want to make that clear. She was trying to do what she thought was best for us. And you know, it's um, it's an interesting thing for a child to live in a situation where you feel like you're not loved or wanted. And then to live in a situation where you feel loved and wanted. You know, in our society today, A broken home is a normal home. And a home that has both parents is abnormal. And probably many of you could take this microphone and tell a story. I'm not here about telling sob stories this morning. Don't misunderstand. Just stay with me. And so we find ourselves in these unique places in life where we look to the Lord and trust in the Lord. And, you know, each one of us were like David in Psalm 51. He said, I was He didn't say born in sin. That's how it's often quoted. He said, I was conceived in sin and shapen in iniquity. Now, Every one of us, that's true of us, right? We were innocent, but here we are into this, born into this world of sin. And regardless of our backgrounds, we, are, we become in bondage to sin. It's funny, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees of his day, and he said, you do always the works of your father. They said, we have Abraham to our father. He said, if Abraham was your father, you'd do the works of Abraham. But you do the works of the devil who's your father. What was he saying? He said, hey, you never got set free from this bondage of sin. And you may have religion on your side, but you're still walking and doing the work of your father. Now, we find ourselves often in a condition living our lives where we realize, man, I have made a mess of my life. Anybody attest to that along the journey if you look back a little bit? I've made a mess of my life and I don't see a way to get out of this deal. And the truth is there is no way for you and I to get out of the bondage of sin in our own effort and own ability. We can do nothing to redeem ourselves. The... Apostle Paul said that in Romans 2, I believe, 
in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. But we see something here I want us to see. This is what the Lord has been dealing with me about these last few minutes this morning that is for someone today. I, I feel so clearly about this. Romans chapter 8. Verse number 13. Romans 8, 13. Paul said, for if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, watch, they are the sons of God. For you have not, everybody say, I have not. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But... You have received, everybody say, I have received. You have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit itself, verse 17, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Together. I. It's going to be simple this morning. It's probably going to be quick. Somebody has to lay hold on this by the help of the Holy Ghost this morning. This is the only way I know to say it. Jesus wants you. He wants you. He desires you. You may have viewed yourself as unwanted or unlovable, but he wants you. I, I remember that summer in North Carolina, I, I, I was wanted. I, I belonged. I was loved. And to learn years later that someone wanted to actually, they wanted to actually go to the trouble and the expense of adopting me. I don't think I was high maintenance, but I don't think I got off, I was free to have either. They were willing to invest of their living and change their lifestyle and their home to bring me in. 
They wanted me. I'm not saying that where we live, we weren't wanted. It just, the circumstances didn't seem that way. Our past has a way of causing us to question our value to God. Our life lived in bondage to sin has a way of causing us to question whether God would really desire us for himself. But the scripture is very clear. There is a spirit of adoption. There is a spirit with a capital S if you saw that in verse number 16. Sorry, 15. There is a spirit of adoption. Notice it's capital S. That's the spirit of God that has a desire to take that which seems unwanted and make it his own. I'm willing to invest myself to make this that seemed unwanted my child. This is what the Lord did. This is the spirit of adoption that we're reading about here. The adversary said, I'll tell you what, I'll lead you along. I'll let you think there's something of value for you. But the moment I'm done with you, you'll know I'm done, and I'll leave you to be lost, destroyed, empty, wanting, longing, and having nothing. But in that condition of lost, broken sinfulness... The Lord said, I see value there. I desire you. You're someone I want. Not just something I can put a tag on and say, oh, bless the Lord. They're religious now. They go to church on Sunday. No, no, no. The Spirit of God says, I would like to adopt you. I would like to take you in what you view as a broken condition, a condition where you think no one has interest in you, where you've been deceived by the adversary into believing you have no value. And the Lord said, here's what I'll do. I'll pay the price, whatever it takes, to adopt you to myself, to make you not just my servant. I want you to be my son. This is the desire of God for every life that would yield itself to the spirit of adoption. I saw you in your broken condition. I saw you in your addicted condition. I saw you in your confused condition. I saw you in your lost condition. And I didn't say there's no value. When the Lord looked, he said, I see value there. Not because of what they are right now, but because when I adopt them and they become my child, I have things I'll give them. I have things I'll begin to do for them. And the value that's there can come by relationship with a father. And so he said, I'd like to adopt you. There is a spirit of adoption of the Lord that is reaching to a heart. I don't care your background. I don't care where you've came from. You can't believe the lie that says you have no value. The value is determined by the one who purchases. And here is this not the beautiful thing. Jesus says that he would purchase us with his own blood. That's value. And then we find Paul saying in a couple of places, what? 
Do you not know that you're not your own? You have been bought with a price. Now, if he would stop there, that would have been fine and good because I was a slave to sin, as were every one of us. But when he purchased us, he purchased from sin. Paul called him a good master. But here's the thing. The Lord did not purchase us, redeem us from sin by his own blood just to make us slaves to a good master. He said, I want to go further. I'll redeem you. But I want you to be my son. I have a spirit of adoption. Someone needs to lay hold on this this morning. God did not redeem you to just be a servant. He redeemed you so that he could adopt you and put his name on you. You had a name that was reprehensible, but he said, I'll take my name that is perfect and I'll put it on you. That's the spirit of adoption. Why do you think we're baptized in the name of Jesus? He puts his name on us. There is a spirit of adoption that begins to work. And he says, I desire you. Now, here's the beauty of that. I remember living in North Carolina. And you understand it's not about things. I use this as an example. My aunt and uncle that we stayed with, as I mentioned, they had no kids. They both worked. In the financial world, we call that dinks. We call that dual income, no kids. Uh, if you ever hear that term in the financial world, you know what they're talking about now. Um, and so I remember that short time we were there. My aunt and uncle taking a shop, and I'm sure my uncle, looking back in hindsight, I'm sure my uncle had to sort of pull the reins on my aunt along the journey. I'll never forget. I thought of it when Brother Robert walked in a few weeks, well, a few months ago, but he did again a, a few weeks ago. First time he walked in with his red sport coat, I think I told him. I'll never forget. I was there. My aunt took me to Belk. There's no Belk here, but there's a store there called Belk, sort of like Macy's, I guess. She bought me a pair of khaki pants and a red blazer. I don't know if I liked the red blazer when I was a little kid, when I was a young teenager. It was a little bright for me at the time. But I look back, and I'm like, man, it was a, I felt like Joseph with his coat of many colors, man. She was dressing us up. When we, walked, when we went places with them, man, we're like, yeah, we're with them. We're together. We're head was held high why because the one investing in me what were they saying their investment was saying you have value and their investment began to affect how I felt about myself their investment began to show me I, I, might, I was being deceived I do have value I do have value I am loved I am wanted Someone hear me this morning. I'm not trying to pull at heartstrings. I'm trying, the Holy Ghost is trying to rearrange our thinking because the adversary would fill our mind with thoughts about ourselves that are lies from the pit of hell. And we need a recognition of what the Holy Ghost has done when he came and gave himself for us. He said, I gave my life to adopt you. I want you. 
I want you for my own. The adversary only wants to destroy you. I want to redeem you. I want to put my name on you. And I want people to see and I want you to see the value that you have as my child. How much value? Do you see what he said there in verse number 17? And if heirs, if children, then we're heirs. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I don't want to just call you by my name. I want you to be a partaker of the inheritance that comes my way. Heirs of God. You are of value to him. Now you have to allow him to invest in your life. You have to allow him to put into your life. You have to purpose to believe his word above the lies of the adversary. Would you stand with me this morning? Told you I thought I'd be pretty quick. Some of you are still shocked. I can only say what the Holy Ghost gives me to say this morning. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, where you come from, what the history. I don't care. It's irrelevant once the blood of Jesus is put on your life. And we talked about it a few weeks ago where I said I just want to learn how to talk to the adversary. I'm a little angry at him about how some of you are listening You need to know what it is to be bought with a price. There is a spirit of adoption, the very spirit of God that is reaching to you and saying, hey, the world may call you damaged goods. Your experience may call you less than. But once I purchased you, I'm trying to express to you, I'm adopting you. I'm putting my name on you. I've chosen you for myself. I want you to be my son. I want people to see me when they see you. I want them to identify with me when they look at you. They're not identifying with the world anymore. They're not identifying with where you came from. Stop believing the lie. They're identifying with your father. When you let me put my name on you, when you let me begin to invest in you, you let my spirit work through through you, it becomes a manifestation to the world that you belong to me now. You're no longer a slave and a servant to sin. You're not just somebody else's servant, but you now have a father that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You now have a father who holds all authority within his hand. Stop believing the lie of the adversary. If you've been washed in the blood, you've been adopted into the kingdom when he filled you with his spirit there is a spirit of adoption from the Lord Jesus Christ that he desires to put on every life he desires to put it on every life it's interesting this just came back to my memory a couple weeks ago I don't remember where it was Probably YouTube. 
I saw a clip of a family adopting two boys. One boy was, I don't know, maybe eight or nine. The other boy was younger, four or five. I could be getting the ages wrong, I don't know. They had both those boys in suits and ties. And it was clear the older boy understood, man, I am getting it good now. It was so obvious. He was, uh, I, I can't remember the exact things he was saying, but he was like, I'm so thankful. He was just expressing how thankful he was. And he, whatever he came out of, he was realizing, man, I've got the golden ticket. His little brother wasn't so, didn't understand everything that was going on probably, but his little brother was just smiling ear to ear. And he was telling him and encouraging him. And in this little clip, the judge is sitting there with these two little boys and with these adoptive parents sitting there, and they're overjoyed. And the judge says to each boy, Do you want them to adopt you? Would you like him to be your father? And each of the little boys had to say, yes, I want him to be mine. I was marked by the fact that there was still a required acknowledgement, even though it was clearly better for what, than whatever they were in. They still had to willingly agree for the betterment. And so it is with you and I. He offers the spirit of adoption. I'm going to redeem you from your sinful condition. I'm going to redeem you from your broken state. I'm going to redeem you from your history. Are you willing to let me adopt you? And I have to acknowledge, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm opening this altar to you this morning. Would you respond to your father? Would you respond to him? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we need a fresh glimpse of who we are once he's adopted us. Some of you here, you've been adopted, but you're still living as though maybe he would reject you somewhere along the way. Some in the room, you've been adopted, but you, you, you just sort of notice what that scripture said. We're not called to the spirit of bondage again to fear. I'm not fearing that he might reject me. No, no. Once he's adopted me, the only way that that ever separates is if I choose to separate. Would you allow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to continue to invest in your life today? Would you allow him to continue to minister into your heart today? In Jesus' name, he's put his name on you. 
He will put his name on your life. He'll prove himself again and again and again. Paul said, we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I read this the other day a few weeks ago and I shared it with someone. Abba, Father is almost redundant. But the one, Abba, is intimacy. That's relationship. That's closeness. That's endearment. Abba. Father means that's a place of authority and submission. So saying, I have an intimate relationship that's personal with you, Abba. But I'm also submitted to your authority and your covering over my life. Father, this is who he is. This is who he is. And he desires to put his name completely on your life. Come on, let the Spirit of the Lord minister to you today as you worship Him and talk with Him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's nothing to prove to him that makes you or I worthy to be the sons of God. We got to move out of the element of trying to perform in order to maintain sonship, if you will. No, the spirit of adoption pays it once for all. Now I just have to let him invest in me and show to me the value he's placed on my life. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with the song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. And love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child 
of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I would stand and sing. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. my mother's womb you have chosen me and love has called my name and I've been born again into your family your blood flows through my veins and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. 
I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through. My fears are drowned in perfect love. And you rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. I think it's John 15 and 16. Could be wrong. I was talking about memorizing verses earlier. Where the Lord said, I, yeah, that's the right one. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Man, if he stopped right there, that's good enough. You didn't choose me. You know, I, people talk about, you know, I made a decision. Well, I, I, I get it. There's a decision we have to make. But we didn't choose him. We didn't choose him. All along the way, he was reaching for us. 
all along the way, he was, he was trying. Sending someone. Sending someone our way. What, what was it? It was the love of a father wanting, if I could just, I'm trying to choose them. I'd like to adopt them to myself. All along the way, circumstances of life, situations where the God of this world, the father of lies, wanted to destroy us, but he all along the way, sending someone trying to choose. If, if I ever get the I'm choosing them. I'm choosing them. But watch, he didn't just choose us so he could say, okay, I've got them. I have chosen you and ordained you. That's destiny. That's destiny. That means he adopted you with a purpose. Think about that. You have been adopted by the king. Royal family. Royal family. I have adopted, uh, chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father... Uh-huh. In my name, he may give it you. That sounds like a son to me. That sounds like a son to me. Amen. He's chosen you. I would that you would lay hold on that today and walk in the power of his word and the spirit of adoption. Amen. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of adoption. That's why the Bible calls it the earnest of our inheritance. The earnest of our inheritance. Praise God. It's not the fullness. It's just the earnest. Man, if this is only the earnest of our inheritance, what's the inheritance going to be like? Woo! We will reign as kings and priests with him. Praise God. God bless you. Uh, we will we will not have service on Thursday night. Uh, I've had a couple ask. Um, I know if we did, a bunch of you would make the effort and get here. Spend the time with your family, loved ones. If you're just going to be hanging out and you're not with family or somebody, let me know. Maybe I'll come over. No, we don't want anybody to be hanging out alone, I, and I trust and hope that's not the case. I know different people are connected, so we want to make sure everybody has somewhere to be, but we will not have a service Thursday night, okay? Amen. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I am thankful for you, each and every one of you. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. And that God saw fit to place us together in it. What a privilege and an honor that is. Amen. Greet someone. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus. God bless you.